Hello, everybody. Code Pen Radio number 369. I have a special guest, uh, someone who just does incredible work on Code Pen and elsewhere on the internet. Uh, big fan of him, Chris Smith. How you doing, Chris? Welcome to the show. I'm really good. Thanks very much. It's thrilled to be here. Uh, yeah, awesome. You are uh, Chris22 Smith on on code pen is your handle you might people might recognize you from the pink background but you know you never know you can just <laughs> up and change it tomorrow yeah it's, it's pretty difficult to get a username with my name so that's yeah. why i put the numbers in there there's a few Hard of us Chris's out there and you have it worse with yeah. smith that's rough yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty tough to get a domain yeah i bet 22 works out just fine though any particular significance there no just a bit of a, a lucky number really from when i was younger so it's yeah. a good one. Something to put it out. Mm-hmm. And you're over there in Wales still, yeah? Yeah, it's very, very quiet. And and you're and just, uh, you know, a front-end developer, right? That's how you come at the world. Tell me about what you do and, and your, your, your place in this industry a bit. Yeah, so um, I work for a company called Muddy Boots Software, who are now part of TELUS Agriculture. So it's software that is for the farming and food industries. So it's kind right. of following things through from people growing stuff to getting it into stores. And it's tracking data for everything right through. So there's a huge kind of industry there. So various yep. software products that, yeah, follow that journey. Nice. Okay. What's the company name again? Um, well, it's Muddy Boots Software. Muddy Boots. Yeah. <laughs> and that's because of the origin in, you know, working with farmers. And... Right, right, right. And what's your role in the organization? It's, it's, you're pretty specifically a front-end developer, yeah? Yeah, I am. I'm also like a team leader now. Um, so I've got some management kind of responsibilities as well. But mm -hmm. yeah, my, my, my main focus is front-end yeah, wonderful. And you have your website is chrissmith.xyz, killer TLD. Good job. Love it. <laughs> Pretty hard to get uh, much else, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you you did get that. Uh, you know, you had to, you had to deep dive into the, the bucket of weird top-level domains, but got Chris Smith. Dang it. Love it. And, and certainly that probably, who knows when that was first uh, released, right? But it wasn't... It wasn't 10 years ago, let alone 20, right? I'm sure at some point you had to migrate to that domain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, had some pretty weird ones before that. Um, and your personal, I mean, I point people to it because I, I always think this is interesting, you know, when people kind of started their personal site, if you can if you can dig and you don't make people dig, you have blog posts going back to 2008 on that site. So long time personal website blogger. God, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I don't really do much on it now. It's kind of, I've lost my momentum on it a bit. Like, I think my oh, last post right. is about a year old, but yeah, there's a lot on there. Sure, I don't mean to, to force you to talk about that, but that's okay. I feel like that's a, <laughs> a personal, it doesn't have to yeah, be like that's fine. absolutely actively developed. It's just cool to have one. and That's it. It's there for when I want it. It's got links to other things. Yeah. And it looks like it's uh, it's WordPressed up, you know, near and dear to my heart a little bit. It's a good little piece of software for that. Has it gone through any evolutions besides that, or is it just like a? Um, 
No, it's stayed pretty solid throughout. It's yeah, I, I discovered WordPress in two thousand and eight, and that was it. Kind of mm. stuck with it throughout. I've always loved it as a platform, um, partly because it's so nice to use, but just the fact you've got things like a mobile app and stuff, it just means you can be out and about. You can suddenly have an idea for a post. You can just start on it offline. Yeah, that just makes it easier. Um, yeah, that's that. funny. I haven't heard people talk about that one that much, but you're but you're right. I've I've used it before too. They have a you know a pretty first class citizen mobile app. WordPress does, and and it's often pointed out. I've heard Matt Mullenweg say this a number of times that when they made Gutenberg, you know, or what they call the block editor now, that it's not it wasn't just designed to be web only. It's more it's the it's that that it works the same way in that mobile app too. So when they're designing that block editor, those that kind of block editing experience makes its way to that mobile app as well, which is kind of a Yeah. Yeah. It's very consistent. Yeah. To be told two totally different technologies and work in the same way is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you just don't you just don't get that if you roll your own thing. Sometimes you you gotta buy into the larger ecosystem. So you get freebies like a mobile app. Pretty yeah. rad. So you you've written some posts on there. One of my like the um well a lot of my like but about March March 2020, the dangers of logic in CSS. I feel like I had this <laughs> this kind of this same thought almost in the early days of um uh, CSS variables, which aren't exactly logic, but they you know they require logic to to to, th- to think about <laughs> in a way. Uh, what was your do you do you remember this one? What was the your your thinking about? Yeah, I think I mean it's it's danger as in you can make life harder for yourself. It's not like a security danger or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just because you can do so much logic in CSS now with things like the the plus and the tilde kind of selectors and you can do things like the checkbox hack there's just this danger that you go too far with it and you you end up doing your logic in css and then you make a small change somewhere and it's a huge amount to rewrite whereas if you'd done it in javascript or something it would be an easy change so it's yeah it's just kind of the ideas about not making this mountain for yourself to climb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I can, I can definitely see that. I wonder if I just saw, I think it was, you know, in the last month, certainly there's been a little progress on like specs for CSS toggles, which is more of like a specific syntax for, you know, like basically one of those, like, I know y'all are doing this anyway with things like the checked selector so maybe we can like invent a syntax that's more explicit about what you're doing and then i wonder how this thinking factors into it is that is then it like oh at least it's being expressed in a more understandable way so it solves this danger <laughs> or does it make the danger worse maybe it tempts people into using it more yeah <laughs> right 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 I don't I don't know the answer to that but it does seem like you're right in that just a little bit of logic on the javascript side you it's it's mostly like the syntax that makes it make more sense because when you see like input checked tilde div 
dot show or something really requires some mental gymnastics to understand what's happening there. It doesn't say like, you know, if active, then show panel, like you could, like those words are pretty close to what you'd read in JavaScript, which makes logical sense, both to yourself and to somebody finding that code later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll find out, we'll find out. This episode of CodePen Radio is brought to you in part by React Summit. React Summit is a conference. It's coming back with in-person participation. They're doing a hybrid format on June 17th, which means it's remote if you want to check in that way, meaning anywhere in the world with an internet connection. Awesome. And in person in Amsterdam, if you happen to be there or can get there or want to travel there, I sure do. Uh, And then on the 21st of June, it's an all-remote version of React Summit as well. So React Summit. You all React lovers, go check it out. See what's new. You get 10% off your ticket with the code CODEPEN. Meet the stars of the React JS scene like Ken Wheeler and Tejas Coomer, Sarah Vieira, Tanner Lindsley. These are just a few of the names coming this year to React Summit. Again, 10% off remote or in-person tickets with the discount code CODEPEN. So, so, so from the, the code pen angle a little bit, it's not like we have to dwell on code pen. I don't, I don't care. We can talk about whatever, but, uh, I, it, yeah, I can't help but be curious as to like how you use it sometimes and how it fits into your, to your life a little bit. Yeah. So in a few different ways, um, so the kind of public side of it, I guess the published pens are just generally me having fun with front-end technology, trying things out, experiments, you know, new features come out, I want to play with them. It's a good place to do that. It's a good place to be creative. So I've got that side. But I've also done quite a lot of work, um, like for my day job in CodePen, where I kind of do prototyping and design work in there. So where a lot of people might use Photoshop or one of these like fancy UX tools. I prefer just to jump straight into code and, you know, right, draw out my divs for layout. Yeah. Get straight into it. So yeah, that's, I find that's what I like to do. I like to jump straight in, do that. And then it doesn't have to be kind of translated into code later. It's, it's there and ready to go. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So is it, does it, is it, does it end up collaborative some of the time, none of the time? Is like, so you create one, you got a, you got a prototype, then do you show it to someone writing or was it mostly for your own edification? Yeah, it's, it's generally to have a bit of back and forth with people. So if I'm working with someone less technical, it means I can just share a link with them. They can have a look. Then give me feedback and, you know, using live mode and stuff, I can even make changes right in front of them sometimes. And yeah, it's, it's just a good, a good way of sharing bits of, bits of UI. I love that particular version of showing off when you're like, when the, you know, you're, t- I think a lot, most people are used to meetings being like, you know, you ideate a little bit and you write some notes and then next time you get together, maybe there's some reflections on those changes, but you're like, oh no, you mean like this? Doop, 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 you know, which is great because it like it moves along the timeline a lot faster. There's no reason that we have to wait to 
to look at that, I found that mostly works okay. Sometimes it can be a little distracting because you're like, are you listening or are you playing with your code? You know? Yeah, yeah, it depends what it is. <laughs> but it's a nice way to show off, as you say, yeah. <laughs> and push along that conversation. Is So a couple of pens you got going here. It's just fun. We'll link them up in the show notes to look a little bit. You've recreated the Pip-Boy screen in CSS. What was that? What was that game? I remember it's like you're... you living in the post-apocalypse a bit yeah uh, fallout 4 was fallout the, the game yes from, yeah i loved that game it was so tongue you know scary but it was also so like cartoony and cheesy at moments so, so cool. yeah and then wasn't this on his wrist he'd like bring up a little computer yeah that's right so what and then so the pen itself is about the screen of the pip boy and it's this green text on a gray background and has kind of lines through it what was your what's going on here yeah so it's it's really just um when i do more creative kind of pens this is kind of where it, it comes from it really is this i don't tend to just imagine things i tend to just see things in other places like in gaming or in real life and uh right yeah kind of think could i do that in css and Heck yeah yeah so it's it's can i but not only can i do it can i do it without putting extra divs in and you know can i keep the markup clean and just right. do it with pseudo elements and backgrounds and shadows and that kind of thing so it's it's that being able to challenge myself really and you know, uh-huh. seeing if I can do it, which is it's quite satisfying when you can. Yeah, that's a good point. Using the, because there is some, you know, and you do it, like in this case, it's just, and if you ask me, 100% semantic HTML. So I think that was the, partially probably the limitation, right? I mean, if you if you wanted to recreate the visual of the Pip-Boy screen and you had no limitations at all, well, you just go into Photoshop yeah. maybe and and and, and get it yeah. done here. But this is being done with perfectly semantic HTML that you'd see on any other website. It has no accessibility problems or nothing at all. It's just a freaking paragraph essentially on the screen. Yeah. And then you layer CSS on top of it to accomplish all these effects, which in, in this case are many. It's the gradient in the background perhaps the most interesting to me is the little lines that sit over the text which are just designed just so to make that it doesn't really impact the readability yeah it's just kind of a a classy look and then probably the most striking thing about it is that the screen has this kind of like refresh effect so slowly this green gradient thing down over the top of it uh and no not not even a, really any additional html at all because it's just a pseudo element right that you're moving yeah so there's one pseudo element which has that kind of wave coming down and then the the lines are just another pseudo element with uh like repeating right linear gradient i think it is over the top and then good uh, thing you only needed two because that's all you yeah have. exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is the limitation uh great it's wonderful you linked up another one here html and css only knots and crosses or uh tic-tac-toe as we might call it over here across the pond um hilarious because of especially considering the blog post we just talked about the dangers of logic and css and here you go this is entirely that yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, pretty cool though how does it work yeah this one was about challenging myself in another way so it was kind of yeah going against that article and saying right we've got the checkbox hack kind of how far can we go with it 
um, what can it do? And could yeah. I make a whole program kind of just doing the logic in that? And yeah, managed to do it. So the way it works, it's, it's basically in a form. Um, there are a load of invisible radio buttons that kind of hold state for each square. And so each square can, is either checked or not checked or no, there's three states, right? It's nothing or zero or X. Yeah. And then it's using labels over the squares to fire one or the other, not or cross. Yeah. And yeah, the inappropriate option, if you like, gets hidden with CSS. So you can only uh, hit the one. Um and it alternates. So I could see it being not it being like except still hard logic wise because there's I guess eight win conditions, three across, three down, and two diagonals. Yeah. But eight either way. So I guess kind of sixteen. <laughs> Did is are they, and notably I was looking for the SCSS, you know, looking for some kind of thing that you're like, mm, yeah, obviously I made loops and stuff to help with this, but it's not. It's just regular CSS, meaning you. No, I did it. I did it in the long way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sure did. You hand coded this. So do I have that about right? There's the hand code 16 win conditions, but it, it looks yeah. like it's not, that's not quite how it is because you have these comments in there that's like after the second turn. This is the logic. After the third turn, this is the logic, which is a different approach that I don't quite get, I guess. Yeah, that's that's for the individual turns. So that's just showing either showing all the labels that will trigger a naught or a cross. Um, because naught always starts. So it, it basically just alternates. I'm sure there's a much easier way of doing that with a Oh, I see what something. it is. These logics are like, whose turn is it, essentially? Yeah, that's right. it. Right. And then I've got all the kind of win conditions at the end. If all you did was say, oh, which one do you want to start? Knots or crosses? That would have just double the logic of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that would suck, huh? I see. So it's, it's turn-based logic and then win conditions. Yeah. All right. It's still a little beefy. <laughs> yeah, it is. I wouldn't want it to to mess with it, but you got it. Pretty satisfying. Pretty satisfying. You should do Battleship next. It'll be easy. Yeah. But it, it's quite interesting when people talk about that whole conversation about is HTML a programming language, which, you know, kind of bores us all. But... Mm -hmm. It kind of shows that you don't need any JavaScript and you can make a program. I mean, it's it's CSS doing all the lifting, not HTML. But yeah, you can do a lot without JavaScript. Yeah, I mean, it's really a combo though, because that they you know the HTML has to be just so because you, you definitely yeah. need to use those squigglies, right? What do you call that? General sibling combinators or whatever. So if you if you decided to put all those inputs in a div or something, because nope. <laughs> It's going to ruin your logic. So clearly some interplay there. You know, it'd be interesting um, because it's just HTML and CSS. I always think of that when I see these examples of interesting interactivity and such. You could put this in an email. <laughs> it probably wouldn't work in every single email yeah. client, but the ones that are pretty CSS capable, 
they would take it, I bet. Like certainly Apple Mail, you could play tic-tac-toe and Apple Mail, that would be cool. <laughs> Why not? I hadn't thought of that. That would be really cool. Just do some kind of decent fallback and it would be all right, I guess. Um, you also took the time here to, to point out one of your all-time favorite pens, which is an awesome idea. Now I'm going to ask everybody that I talk to that to see if they have one or not. Uh, and you uh, pointed out one of Steve Gardner's pens. He's been on the show. Super nice dude. And he has a animation newsletter and just a super creative dude himself. Perhaps you'll recognize the one of my favorites is he made this like 3d present gun or present cannon and you like shoot cannons out of it this is not that you pointed out his clippity clop or clip clop clippity clop yeah css only pen tell me about that yeah it's um i think it's from a while back now but it's this animation of a a horse kind of running across the desert or something it's beautifully animated but the thing i absolutely love is you then click it and it kind of shows all the moving parts in dotted mm, outlines. I've never so seen this. I'm seeing it for the first ah, time. Right. Yeah. Wow. And it, it's kind of like he lifts the lid on how it's done, which I absolutely love. And you kind of right. realize it, it's not magic. It's actually moving shapes and, you know. A lot of shapes, perhaps more than you would think, you know, because you, you kind of look at it and you're like, I bet there's a lot of shapes there. And then you click it and you're like, whoa, <laughs> how about yeah. 30 maybe, you know? Like, yeah, there's a lot going on, yeah. That's freaking wild. You know, I saw and I was, I was speaking of horses, I was reading Alex Tross' front end horse newsletter the other day and shared a pen and then he added a little clip that's like, hey, if you want to see the behind the scenes, you know, go down to line seven or something and add this bit of code and y- y- you'll be able to like understand how this pen is working because it, it shows some skeleton of of what's happening. And I like that, but it's, it's even cooler when the author themselves do- does it, you know, they help you understand what's happening. Wow, it's incredible. Yeah. Good work, Steve. Yeah, and thanks for okay. sharing that. Chris, I like that there's seven lines of JavaScript and it's just a comment that says... Why use JS when you can take 20 times longer making it in CSS only? <laughs> I have some doubts, though. I think even in JavaScript, this would be pretty complicated. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of work gone into that. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of a accessibility-focused, too, g- generally, aren't you? I mean, I, I don't know. I know we just got done talking about a CSS horse, so that probably not <laughs> a particularly huge accessibility concern, but in your general work yeah definitely um because we're kind of shipping software and stuff i think it's it's a very important thing is you know it's as far as i'm concerned if you're a front-end dev it's part of the job it's not you know Mm -hmm. an extra thing you you learn on the side it's it's quite important so learning how to do the markup right and keep things accessible has that come up recently have you had any interesting accessibility run-ins you know i find that to be common in my or maybe i you know i've i've scooted by for a couple of weeks but then uh, all of a sudden some leak <laughs> will come up and i'll be like oh there's one gotta take care of that you know it's kind of ongoing gardening yeah generally not too bad we're we're kind of currently working on a bit of a design system and trying to make sure we do things right from the start mm. we don't let anything in is kind of our, our main focus at the moment. Uh, pre-app preventative or, 
or something at least at least yeah. doing it from the start which is so rare right i think it's more common and in fact there's probably a whole industry built around the idea that people don't think about it first and that they yeah, uh, need, it's need to so fix much up. work to kind of retrofit and fix things it's so much easier to start out right yeah well that's nice so it's not just idealistic it's uh i don't know it's the the right approach for um, saving yourself time money stress <laughs> yeah it also seems to fit in well we do a lot of automated testing and things and uh, it seems to fit in well with that you know if you've got an accessible page it's much easier for a machine to understand the content for testing purposes as well right yeah saves, saves us a lot of time that's cool i'm looking at a few of your 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 other pens here lots of stuff make sure to check it out chris's profile chris 22 smith on uh on code pen as well as twitter i think right yeah you know speaking of just accessible content another one of is you have this responsive comic book layout that's pretty satisfying to look at that's really just semantic html each panel's a div each each piece of text that's appropriately a paragraph is a paragraph there's class names to to kind of position them where it is but it's you know it has that comic book style in which that the panels aren't just it's not just three in a row perfect grid the grid is staggered some of the the column lines don't even line up with column lines below it you know it's very yeah. free form it looks very comic book like but then as you resize the screen all kinds of stuff happens it does ultimately boil all the way down to a single column thing if it absolutely has to but not until the last minute i feel like yeah it was just trying to take something that's a very fixed layout and trying to see you know, if we could make it responsive. And that's one I've always wanted to take further and put more content inside those panels and see see what could be done, maybe have some animation in there and really try and bring it to life. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good, though, because, you know, it has some other touches as well, like the speech bubble approach and then, you know, boxes that the text go in aren't necessarily just squares. They have some tilted angles and stuff to them. It really has a cool comic book yeah feel to it and i think the flex box thing is appropriate i think a lot of times my brain looks at stuff like this and is like okay how can i do this in grid because it hmm. looks like a two-dimensional grid but flex box is i think more appropriate here and the way that it wraps and the way that the there isn't necessarily a strict set of columns they just fill the space I think. that's it you don't necessarily want everything to line up so yeah, yeah just felt, let it wrap. felt like a better choice wrap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And then that last one kind of forces itself to be full. Oh, not necessarily. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of flex box trickery here. That that is a little odd. I think if I if I was forced to you know stand in front of a classroom right now and tell people when they should use Flexbox and when they use Grid, I'm sure I could recite some pretty simple differences and stuff. But when it gets down to these. It's it's nuanced. I'll say yeah. <laughs> it's it's definitely not not clear cut in both ways and that there's situations where you're doing something really one dimensional that makes more sense to use grid and doing something two dimensional like this that makes more sense to use flexbox a lot of exceptions darn it yep <laughs> all right yeah uh any other favorites i could probably throw some at you you know there's a looking through the dirty glass i remember distinctly because it's just so unusual looking these like layered layered pngs that have movement yeah, to them that looks otherworldly that, that was based on watching the opening titles of the walking dead 
And, oh uh, yeah, there, there was a, a small extract of that. Those opening titles where yeah, there was this kind of glass effect. So yeah, wanted to try that. The pinned pen on your profile at the moment is a. Uh, called the ZX Spectrum, which looks like a very old-timey device. I don't, I don't. I couldn't even tell you what it does. Is it like a, oh, it's yeah. a key, it's, keyboard that's a calculator or something? It's a microcomputer that's uh, just recently turned 40. So oh. it's from uh, 1982. And uh, yeah, I used to have one as a kid. It's like when I first got into video games. And things. So you'd play very basic. Nice. So you'd plug this device? Yeah. So you'd control things actually pressing these, like it had like little rubber keys, like a calculator or something. And uh, yeah, it was like this home computer that you could program yourself and do things, except nobody did. Everybody just played games on it. Yeah. Right. I know a lot of people are nostalgic for the like the Commodore 64 and such. That's that's one that that I had. And yeah. I, I loved that thing. Absolutely loved it. And the only thing I ever did is put a disc in and play a game. I didn't learn to program it. <laughs> Get out of here. I was playing Commando and shit. Um, yeah, that's cool. This is great though. I had Sarah Fossheim on, you know, a couple months back. I think she has yeah. made a bunch of pens that are uh, you know, kind of an homage to to old old technology like this is so kindred spirits in that regard yeah very cool well chris thanks so much for being on the show is there anything we want to uh anything you want to leave people with you know for your fellow code pen people advice for uh being as as creative and accessibility minded as you are not really i mean as i say i just see things in real life and kind of wonder could i do that in css or how could that be done and that's what leads on to these things so yeah don't necessarily look online for inspiration look offline as well and see what you can find yeah i love that and if that seems daunting to you out there and i can i can get that right there's a lot of things in this world that i don't just see it and then want to build it you know i'm not like oh look at that little motorbike I'll make my own motorbike. I'd be like, I don't even know where to start, you know. <laughs> but the more you know, the more you know about the web, the more possible, you know. It's it, I, I would doubt that Chris here knew exactly how to do everything that he saw. He just he just gave it a shot, and then the more you learn, the more doors open for you. So I suppose we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for being on the show, Chris Smith. I hope to cross paths with you someday. That would be great. Yeah, thank you very much. And also, thank you for teaching me SVG. I got your your book a long time ago. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Still in print on a book apart. Cheers. Talk later, man. Okay, thanks very much.